Hey, Dan. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tony. Hey, Dan. Hey, Tim. How you going? Do, you, do you guys want to hear a joke? Always. Well, I know a fish that can break dance. Mm-hmm. Only for 20 seconds, though, and only once. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think you've said that one before, but even if you have, it have. is very funny. Great joke. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Yeah. Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Tim. And today with us for the first episode of the year, we've got a great guest. We've got Tony Harcourt, uh, the co-founder of Work Guru. Tony, g'day. Hey, Dan. Hey, Tim. How are you doing? Great. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, it's great to have you on this, uh, this episode because it is our first episode back. Mm. We're back. 2023. Full of energy for this year, mostly. <laughs> Most, mostly? Mostly. It's funny, like, when you go on holidays, you come back and you just sort of lose your stamina or something. Yeah. Oh, it's strange. No, you do. It, it's true. I, the funny thing for me, though, is, is the episode that we recorded right before we went on break... I was like, like at a low point. I was like, um, <laughs> my energy's gone. I'm done. Yeah, I need right. out for a while. And now I'm back. I'm full of energy. And now you're tired. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> it's probably just because I got up and did a workout this morning. That's yeah. probably all it is. And you've had an adjustment in sleep patterns anyway, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I have, Tony. Well, yeah. it's, it's actually, that's... Um, that's uh, I love it when you call me a big pop, pop. <laughs> Tim, it's Daddy's Corner. Daddy's Corner. What's I like it like it. being a dad this week? Uh, well, I, um, I was a bit off yesterday actually. Mm. And I was like, all until about one o'clock, I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Mm. Why is my brain not working? Mm. And then I remembered I was up at 2am, uh, the night before, like bobbing Lewis to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, that's probably why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The sleep. And then we have it. Yeah. Big puppy's corner. But sometimes, sometimes you forget. (laughs) <laughs> that's it's strange you're like oh, why am i feeling so shit today <laughs> things that happen at that time at night you just you went it's like amnesia you wake up in yeah. the morning and you're like oh that never happens that's it. it's like a dream <laughs> tony do you have kids yeah i've got one uh my, hey. my boy just turned one uh, on oh, wow. day, so he's he's just had his, his one year vaccines today so uh, I, oh. I dropped home at lunchtime and he's He's passed out uh, after screaming okay. loudly at the nurses and doctors that he did not want his needles. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm mostly through the sleepless, sleepless nights. Well done. Um, my, my wife's still getting up, but uh, yeah, it's mostly better. That's awesome. You made it through the first year. That's uh, mm. good on you. It, is an, it feels like an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're all still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Before you have a baby, you realize there's many ways that, uh, yeah. You can not look after them. So, wait till Lewis starts walking because oh. then everything in your house that's never been dangerous is suddenly like a fatality risk. I'm, oh, I'm not looking forward to that. And you have lots of little trinkets around your house too. There's, yeah. there's things around. There are a lot. There's a lot mm. of like sharp corners. Yeah. Things, so, yeah, I might have to speak to you off air, Tony, and get some advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, Tim. What, what is the, the Tim, Tim and Dan Tim, how was your week? Um, well, how was your how was your month? How was your last month? What have you been up to? Actually, okay, I had a nice break. 
lovely Christmas and New mm-hmm. Year's, you know, first one with our baby. Yep. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But the highlight had to be getting a new set of golf clubs mm-hmm. a week ago. I actually want to talk to you about this. <laughs> uh, I've got some, and, and I'm glad that you're here, Tony, because we're actually going to stage a bit of an intervention here. <laughs> Uh, Tim, we look, we all love you, mate. Like, but we're worried about you and we're worried about the direction that your life is heading. <laughs> the golf direction. Yes. Um, it, it's taking you down paths that mm. I've always been worried that, you know, you're susceptible to. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is, is who's Rusty, Tim? Rusty Trombone. That's my friend on Facebook yeah. who I bought my set of golf clubs from. And, and where did you meet Rusty. Um, Facebook Marketplace is pretty reliable. I mean, in real life? Of, uh, at a petrol station in Charlestown. Okay, yep. And uh, how did you pay for said items? In cash, because he was oh, worried about Tim. being scammed. Tim, you and I, we ha- we're not cash people. I know, right? I had to go and to the this, ATM and pull all this cash out. This golf is taking you down a direction that I can't follow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm worried now. There was so much cash. Are you a cash man? No. You're accepting cash for everything left, Although right I and d- center? I did get to use a $50 note that was in my wallet for like the last 12 months. <laughs> so that was pretty exciting for me. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm just concerned about you, Tim. Well, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, if you want it out, there's a path. Anyone. You've gone, you've gone, you know. Anyone who's seen the golf clubs knows I got a very good deal. Mm. And uh, Rusty did his back or something. All I know is that you're meeting yeah. your dealer at a service station and you're paying him cash for your goods. <laughs> and so I'm worried sus. about you. It felt so sus. <laughs> I drove an hour to go pick these things up. And uh, first of all, I was just thinking, they're not even going to turn up. Mm. And I'm just going to get have all this cash with me at a petrol <laughs> station in a suburb I'm not familiar with. Uh, but it, it all went well. Mm. So far. Yes. So far. Then I started thinking, did they leave like a beacon in that golf bag and then they're just going to rob my house? No, what happened is they robbed someone else first and then, and then they've sold you those clubs. Possibly, but he seemed to know a lot about the golf clubs. I was sussing him out. I can make like, stuff up. No, no, he was pretty legit. Okay. Like his knowledge of those golf clubs is... I suppose if he had stolen, he didn't need to put the charade on. He could just say, here's the clubs, where's my money? I was like, oh, this is a pretty interesting part. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, nice grip. Really like the grip. And that's when I was like... He knows. Oh, He's used this. No, you're right. That's technical That's a very terms. specific. <laughs> nice grip. Wow. What insight to the club. Yeah. So anyway, they're good golf clubs. Mm. That's my, that's my Tim and Dan <laughs> <laughs> What have you guys got? What's been happening um, with you? Yeah, I went, uh, so I moved into my new place. I think mm. I mentioned that in the last episode. Like mm. I think I'd moved in. Actually, I was moving in the next day. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd got the keys the day before. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm loving it You're now. All set up. I'm yeah. all set up. I got one room left, but so uh, the rest of the house is done. I've got a got a studio it's a for really us nice to, to make some beats. Hmm. I've got um, nice proximity to the beach and cafes. So close. It's a good yeah. place. Yeah, it's a good place. So I'm, I'm just settling in there because I was also away in Queensland for a couple of weeks. Mm. Went uh, camping with my brother and his family. Went up to 1770 and Bundaberg. Nice. And uh, yeah. Is there a place called 1770? Yes. Okay. Uh, and it's a little bit, it's, it's, they should consider renaming. It's, it's, it's when <laughs> Captain Cook landed there. But that, and the whole town's based on that. Ah, uh, he did tourist. come earlier than the first fleet. That's why I always make that mistake. Yes. 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 So he landed there and they've named it after the date mm. that he arrived. And um, they've got a little section that talks about indigenous folk. And okay. That's nice, but. <laughs> Feels like it needs to be a bit more. <laughs> Remind me of this later. I'm going to use this in my other thing later. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Right. Other so. than that though, it's a nice place. Bundaberg cool. was good. Went to the uh, 
got my face on a Bundaberg ginger beer hey, bottle, which was fun. Nice. Um, got nice. a six pack of them back at home. Didn't have any display. rum though, did you? No, I'm not a rum guy. I'm not a rum guy. It's just like vodka. I don't know. But shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't have a go at Bundy after you've just been in Queensland. <laughs> on, as, as a Queenslander, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to defend. Oh, I can't drink it either. <laughs> no, I, I went there. I took a photo. And uh, yeah, no, not for me. Oh, not for so me. Good. Rum, it, rum was the official um, uh, coin of... The colony when it first was created in Australia, rum. Rum. They use that as money. Really? That's how col- like uh, convicts were paid in rum and sailors. Yeah, they received. That's why rum we had, the, had a rum rebellion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a rum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but really before the holy dollar became a yeah. thing. Yeah, I did Super not know about this. Yeah, yeah, because there was no like banks or like mm. floated currency back then. Can you imagine if our physical currency now was edible? And it's like, oh, I got a wage this week. Oh, damn, I ate it. <laughs> I shouldn't have binged that. <laughs> I shouldn't have binged my entire paycheck last night. Well, I mean, if it's rum and you could just not drink it. Yeah, but you could also just not eat a chocolate bar that's worth $200. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I would. <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we could pay you in chocolates from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> More than I'm earning now. <laughs> Tony, how was your Christmas holiday period? Good? Yeah, good. I uh, I did the suburban dad, husband, old bloke thing of tidied up in the yard. Oh, read nice. books and, you know, trimmed trees. Did a wow. couple of dump runs, you know, all of that one. So productive. Stuff. I know, it's, it's terrifying. And then you go, oh, I, I know, sanded, and I painted, and I oh, touched up some sanded. plastering. It's, I oh, know, it's... And then I went, oh, that was, a, that was a great holiday. <laughs> what happened to, to fishing and drinking and, and not doing any work? Partying late nights on yeah, New Year's. Yeah. yeah. That's, but that's, late, that's late nights awesome. is 9 p.m., by the way. Yeah. 9 p.m. is now a late night. 100%. <laughs> uh, that, that, that does sound pretty exciting. I'm, gonna, I'm not <laughs> going to lie. I, Other than hmm. buying a new set of golf clubs, that's probably my next preferred thing to do what tony's spent his summer doing yeah <laughs> it is satisfying i mean at the end of the holidays you can step back and say i painted that not only that i did a good job too i sanded it <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far <laughs> but you did it that's what counts i did it, it, did it. it's done it's yeah. off the list <laughs> it's off the list <laughs> <laughs> nice all right well uh let's move on to mm. the business update yeah, so I was sent a article actually by my mother. She sends shout out to um, the drunky, uh, uh, what was it, the Titus Ass winners? Yeah, Carrie Garth, mum and dad. Mm. Yeah, they. What, what was that for? Drinking beer in happy, happy hour. hour. But the, it, it was that was what uh, you know. In they the contribute Oscars, a lot of things. You know, in the Oscars, where like someone wins an Oscar for a movie, like that wasn't that good of a movie. But it's like really, it's they'd never won it for the ones they should have mm. won for, and yeah. That's how they won that drunk. Like DiCaprio. DiCaprio yeah. is a prime example. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. They are the DiCaprio of the <laughs> tight ass tips. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, this is a pretty good business update. Uh, according to Apple News, very reputable source of news. Mm. Uh, nine in 10 landlord tax returns are wrong. Uh, so, yeah. And some of the examples they say are not declaring rental income. So that's a pretty <laughs> obvious mistake. Uh, how many of them would be Airbnbs and stays well that's the funny thing because airbnb and stays are all going to send that rental income but to i'm the saying ATO. how many people would you reckon don't realize that mm. and are like oh i've just been renting out this place for a bit of 
quick cash money. Yeah. You'd know all about yeah. that, Tim. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, their information's at the ATO. You're going to get me audited here, Dan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually had a really interesting conversation with Trina in our office mm. um, last week. Is Airbnb income from your own home going to ruin your main residence exemption? The answer is yes. Yeah. It's income producing. But just when you stop and think about it for a second, because you can, you can leave for six years and rent it out yeah, and not lose your main residence exemption. Isn't that interesting? But if you rent a room out, that portion of the house yes. for the time it was rented or available exactly. for rent yes. is no longer... Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I don't know. I, just, yeah. I find that interesting, but I'm a nerd, so... I also find that interesting. <laughs> Tony, Tony, do you? I find it rage inducing. <laughs> but, but, but I do with most things tax related. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, have, do you make any of these mistakes, Tony? What about not declaring the capital gain on the sale of the rental property? That's, mm. that's a pretty it's a big one to miss. Mm, that's no good. That's, uh, I'm not sure that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strategy. It's a, it's a scheme. That's tax avoidance. That's what that is. That's <laughs> Uh, claiming the main residence exemption under the capital gains tax uh, for the profit on sale of what is really a rental property. Mm. Yep. Claiming interest deductions when a property is not truly available for rental, being a holiday home. Yeah, that, that one would happen quite a fair bit, I think, is that people mm. would have this house that they're like, oh, it's available for rent, mm. it's a rental, and really they're just staying there over the holidays yeah. and they're is not it, really renting it is out. Is it truly rented yeah. and earning income? Is it always available to be rented? Mm. Wrongly claiming capital expenditure as an immediate deduction. I knew that would probably, or yeah. I would add um, as a repair. Yep. That's probably what they're trying to say there. Assigning all rental income deductions to one spouse when the loss making property is co-owned. <laughs> <laughs> I think people you do that all the time. You're on you, can't you? Yeah. Just like 90% one year, 50-50 yeah. the next. Yeah, you earn all the revenue this year. It's a loss. Let's put it all on your name. Yeah. And then claiming deductions for the full cost of travel to a property. Now, that's not even allowed anymore. No. That's, so, this article is wrong. But yeah. there you go. There you go. Apparently, 90, 9 in 10, 9 out of 10 are getting their rental income and expenses wrong and in their favor. Dodgy. So, dodgy. Dodgy stuff. Mm. Uh, all right, Tim. Do you have a tart-ass tip? Uh, buy golf clubs off no. Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Self-explanatory. There you go. Boom, roasted. <laughs> uh, that one's... Uh, mm. It's a bit time-consuming and risky. Mm. You could get robbed. I, I still could get robbed. I have used the club <laughs> and they didn't break. They're fine. I don't... I have nothing to say. I've said all I've had to say. I've told you I was concerned, but this is the path you've got to choose. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's go to our main topic today, which... Now that I've done the intro, uh, is, our, is our chat with you today, Tony, and it's all about something that you'd be very familiar with, and it's job costing. Um, mm. A lot of people fail to properly do this. They, they don't understand profitability on each job. They don't understand quoting it. They don't understand what costs are meant to be included and how to do it. So we thought this is a good opportunity to get you on 
to tell us all about this mm-hmm. and and have a conversation about it. So, um, yeah, let's let, let's let's start the conversation. W- why should I be job costing? And I will just preface that by saying, you know how you find uh, that tax matter before rage inducing, Tony. <laughs> well, a lot of business owners probably find job costing rage inducing. So, I, I, <laughs> why they, they, they do. Doing? Ask 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 them to get their staff to fill out timesheets and expenses and, <laughs> yes. and, and allocate them to a job. Look, the, the, the simple answer of why you should do it is is the difference between your P&L and your job P&L. Your P&L tells you mm. if you make money. Your, your job-based P&Ls tell you why and or how yes. you're making or losing money. So it, it's fantastic to look at, you know, you know and, and if you're assuming you've got good accountants that you're on top of everything, you look at your P&L at the end of the quarter and it's break even or a loss or it's a, it's a big win. Mm. There's, there's too often you see small business owners that, that don't know why. Yeah, um, and the a big thing for us, and it's a it's a sales point for us, but I wish it was never a sales point. Mm. Is that we have clients come to us and say, we just did this enormous job, whether it was five hundred thousand, a million, five million mm. dollar job, and we don't know whether we made money on it. <laughs> my response is, well, you didn't. If you don't know, <laughs> you know that much money, um, um, yeah. You know, then you didn't make money on it. And, and they get offered to do the same job again and they literally have to go, well, we're not sure whether we should or not. Mm. We actually had somebody turn down a $6 million job last year because wow. they just got a $500,000 job and they hadn't costed it. Um, so the, the why is so you know and two, so you can make informed decisions about your business. Who are your mm. good clients? What are your good jobs? Should I do that again? Should I kill that whole branch of the business? You know, just it's, mm. it's decision-making information. I am... Um I see that all the time, that example you gave where, you know, we just did this giant job, we don't know if we made any money, especially when there's a small business that takes a leap into doing a bigger job. And and because it's so much money, they forget the costs that go into it and then they start just like imploding underneath the weight of it, I think. I I see it a lot where builders, for example, where they're like, they're normally doing twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 jobs and suddenly they take on a $150,000 job and the costs are just huge. Um, And so, yeah, this is a prime example of why... Uh, you should be tracking these things. But I think what, what most people sort of run into would be the how, right? They, they want to know if they made money from a yeah, job. Yeah, and I guess job costing could be <laughs> like a new concept yeah. to some people. So where do you start? Mm, well, I got my builder's margin, Tim. Just 20%. <laughs> got my builder's margin. Uh, people have literally said that to yeah. before. Yeah, that's why I said You know if you me. make profits on jobs. Yeah, yeah 20%. Yeah. Builder's margin. <laughs> Scary stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, the sad thing is that I know that that's not a joke because yeah. you hear it, you know, people, I know exactly how much I make on a job and you find out a little bit later that they don't. Mm. Um, where you start is to figure out what you want to track. Mm. Um, you don't need to track everything, but also you don't need to, you need to track something. So it's always mm. this balance between accuracy and convenience, right? Yes. Do you want to track, do you want to track every O-ring, every screw that you used, every, you know, kilo of you know, crusher dust or a cubic meter of crusher dust, whatever it is, yes. or do you just want to track your headline items because they're the things that are going to make you know, significant differences to your overall job budget. Yeah. So, so kind of decide the level of detail that you want to track. Mm. Um, and, and honestly, make a start. Tra- you know, understanding 30, 40, 50, 60% of the costs on your job is better than understanding True. none and being able to report on it. Obviously, once you get into that sort of 90, 95%, your scope for improvement it gets more expensive to get better more from that point in time. Mm. So it sort of becomes irrelevant. But yep. just make a start. And, and things that you can start on are 
timesheets, you know, where are mm. your staff spending their time? You, know, you should be yep. able to record your timesheets against the job. What, what purchases are you making yep. for a job? Um, mm. What stock are you using off the shelf? And again, don't need to track the O-rigs, but, but if you're using yeah. you know, $10,000 worth of steel, uh, you probably want to track that. So yes. uh, just figure out where your line is and, and decide how detailed you want to be. Uh, my question relating to that then is, um, are job costing, is job costing only for big jobs or could it be really important for lots of small jobs too? What are your thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, both. Um, mm. And um, lots of small jobs like there's, there's you know, plumbers, electricians, you know, mm. they're, they're a classic example of yeah. people that are doing 8, 10, 12, maybe 15 jobs a day. That's what I had in my mind too, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's a, um, you know, then you look at it and you go, well, I've done eight jobs for the day, mm. but have I billed for travel? And, that, mm. and that's where you look at it and you go, well, I've done, when, I, when I'm billing my timesheets, I've only done five hours of timesheets, but I've done 10 hours of travel and work on the tools. And yeah. that gives you the opportunity to turn around and say, well, I either need to charge a travel or a minimum call-out fee or something mm. to make sure that you're getting cost recovery out yeah. of that kind of thing. So, yeah, for, for smaller jobs, it can be equally important. Otherwise, you're just losing money traveling between jobs. Yeah, that's it. And there's a lot of admin too. So, mm. And I think that can be easily overlooked by business owners. They're just happy to get any job they can, um, but they don't realize all the time spent like um, booking it into a calendar, quoting it, mm. sending an invoice, collecting payment um, are actually all costs to the business, which is kind of a bit of a segue to the next question. Um, do you include overheads at all? In job costing. Yeah, and I think to tying onto that a bit, uh, you know, the accountant in me, when, even when you were just talking then, Tony, about like, all right, you know, timesheets, start with mm. timesheets and, and how much time are you a team? I was like, well, what's the cost of them? Yeah. <laughs> I started going, oh, there's their wage and it's the super and what about insurances? Yeah. Uh, what about other costs? Am I Electricity. allocating a portion of overheads? Mm. And this is why people give up before they even start, I think. It feels really complicated. It does feel very complicated. Mm. So so w- what's your opinion around the overheads argument then? Or, or, you know, is it really just a question of are you keeping it simple or not? Yeah, again, it comes back to sort of where you want to draw your line, what level of detail. Um, I, I always look at it as... If that is a fixed cost, regardless of whether you do this job or not, then it's then it's not a job cost. It's yeah. an overhead cost. It's a you know for me, and and you can spend you know hours and hours and hours every week trying to journal costs between jobs based on the percentage of the U that took me from job A to job yeah, B, right? Yeah. But when when do you hand over that depreciation? That's right. You know, calendar. Are you doing that on a minute by minute basis between the jobs? <laughs> um, so short answer is I wouldn't bother at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would look at is, is the key things that, you know, if I didn't do this job, then I wouldn't incur this cost. Um, the only caveat to that would be wages and salaries, if you particularly have got full-time people and you yeah. need to pay them anyway, so I would always look at procuring that. Yeah. Uh, it's a, sorry, recording that against the job. Yeah. But other than that, it's don't go crazy on it. Don't, mm. don't try and, you know allocate the percentage of your warehouse that each job takes up on the floor over the, mm. you know, the depreciable life of the, you know, of the workshop. That you yeah. Like I, w- I wouldn't bother going to that level. It's, it's, it's not going to tell you anything. And it will actually, in my opinion, confuse your figures because mm. what it'll do is it'll bump up the cost base of every one of your jobs. And it's not going to tell you which ones are actually profitable mm-hmm. in and of themselves. Yeah. And I think, True. Um, you know, once, once you've removed all those, variable costs then then really your fixed costs uh, are that that they should be the same every month mm. so it's easy then to just pick a target all right well i need gross profit of this 
Yeah, that's my true. target. And if I'm earning this much percentage on every job, then I need mm. this much sales. Just kind of work your way back up from that point. Mm. Um, so yeah, as, as long as you know what those costs are, so don't ignore them. You should know what they mm. are, but but you don't need to always factor them into that. Yeah, as long as you're after the percentage that covers it. And it all just depends, I guess, mm. as well. So if you have one product line that's highly customized yeah. and is a human workforce versus another product line that's basically automated or even just selling something online mm. with no inputs um, and so requiring no overheads, mm. then, yeah, you might want to think about skewing I need the overhead application in that, on that case. One, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, generally, it, you'll know mm. as a business owner. Mm. It's very interesting. Job costing. Yeah, I always think when, when I think job costing, I think of uh, my dad telling me when he worked for a large gas company, mm. he'd go into the um, factory and he'd time uh, how long it took for people in the warehouse to do certain things. It's like activity-based costing. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I should sit down and just like time our team. Like, all yeah. right, you start, oh, we, we have timesheets. I don't need to. But it would be funnier <laughs> if I had a, it'd be funnier if I had a stopwatch. Well, right, just come out of the toilet and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> quick. It, you, you might you might find yourself up in front of fair work if you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it'd be fine. <laughs> uh, all right, so so where, where, how, how do you find this information? Where do you get the... Um, so now we're getting to the practicals. The practical side. So now mm-hmm. we know why. We know the kind of information you should be looking at, mm-hmm. but, but how? How do you actually do that? Uh, is the next question. I know there's lots of tools out there. Um, What's your opinion on this, Tony? Yeah, so so step one, get some good advice. Uh, Mm. And that's that's not just a plug for accountants and bookkeepers. (laughs) Um, But ask your accountant and bookkeeper because the chances are if they're working with you, they're working with other people in a similar industry. So Mm. they might be able to refer you to one that works for their other other clients in that same space. Two, Ask your friendly competitors, what do you use? True. You know, how does it work for you? What works for you? And ask the ones who have a similar business to you. There's, 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 a, there's a heap of job costing platforms. We obviously have one. Um, but we're probably slightly different to you know, residential plumbers and, and electricians. We're mm. probably not a good fit for it. We're more for those larger project style jobs or workshop-based jobs. Um, yeah. But you know, there's, there's dozens of good platforms on the market from ServiceMate to Simpro to Tradeify mm. to Geolog. Uh, that will do those kind of things. Then you've got at the you know the engineering or the you know manufacturing kind of level. You've got the workflow maxes and the work gurus yeah. uh, of the world. So ask around, look online, and and call the vendor. Hmm. Ask. You know if if you can if you want to grow your business, you have to invest in systems because mm, people yeah. don't scale, particularly in Australia. Admin overhead is incredibly expensive. You're putting an extra admin person on. It's going to cost you at least sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so if you look at some of these platforms and, and you can save one FTE, um, hmm. you're, you're miles ahead um, already at that point in time. So so just okay. go and ask and see what works for you. Ask for a demo. Play with it. Like, yeah. you know, don't be scared about it. And if you break their platform, you break our platform, you break any platform, tough luck. That's the software vendor's problem. <laughs> so they should be able to fix it for you. <laughs> yeah, so, improve. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So just have a go, have a play and ask, like honestly, because mm. there is no right answer. Um, mm. and, and I say this to everyone, we've got two clients in a relatively regional rural town, and I won't say it because it will identify the clients pretty well. They're basically on opposite corners to each other. Now, theoretically, they run exactly the same kind of business. Yep. Couldn't run their businesses more differently. And, and they're both actually work very customers, but they're, they're set up completely differently because oh, yeah. 
on, on the you know, on the sign on the door says they do the same thing, but they couldn't do it. More That's super so, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's all about the people and the business process and what works for each individual mm. business, not mm. what the software platform says it should be. Yeah, so I think you raise a really good point there, Tony, because um, you need to speak to your team and you need to plan this out because mm. yeah it's all good and well getting everyone to do a timesheet well i was going to circle to that and say like it's not easy to convince everyone to do a timesheet oh. and and change that i was sitting before with a mechanic actually mm. um and we were doing like an advisory session mm. about their business and um yeah even just getting employees or team members to fill out job cards can be hard you know so let yeah. alone keeping track oh. of their time they spent I have a, a, a client, I, I won't say <laughs> who it is, but they are using um, a software yep. that has the ability to track these things, mm. but they just can't get their team to do it. Mm. And and I want to do some advisory work with them and help them. But mm. um, yeah, it's just, have you got any strategies for convincing your team to, to, to jump on board with these things? Getting uh, buy-in. Yeah, to get buy-in from, from, what's your experience there, Tony? Do you, yeah, do you see this happen a lot? Yeah, there's a bunch. So I actually spent uh, the last decade of my life being a, uh, a software systems and change management consultant, oh, which is where work yes. where it comes from. So uh, honestly, the, the step one is getting buy-in. They need to know the why. Mm. Um, and and some of my clients and, and employers in the past, the why is because if you don't do your timesheet, you don't get paid. Um, you know, that, that seems to be a pretty <laughs> yeah. effective one, even That's though we all, know it's, That's the, the <laughs> we all know it's not the best way to go. Stick method um, versus the carrot. <laughs> yeah, and, and the carrot is, look, guys, you know, we, you know, you really need to involve them, not only in the decision-making process, but in the reasoning behind it. Mm. You know, guys, we're, we're flat stick busy, but we're losing money. We're going to have to lay people off. So we need to know where we're making money. We want, we don't want to lay people off. We want to be profitable. We want to pay you. Yes. We want to give you bonuses. We incentivize mm. you to do well. Yep. And we need information to be able to do that. So mm. these are, these are as you, like you were saying, they're, they're change management projects as much as they are technology projects. Don't give it to the poor guy or girl that sits at the front desk and enters paperwork and make it their problem. <laughs> that, that that won't work. Um, but then, but then, when it doesn't work, it's not your fault. That, that's something Michael Scott would do. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Pam, you're in charge of managing yeah. this change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if, and, and don't hand it to the part timer who's only in two days a week because they're really good at admin or, or best at computers or things yeah. like that as well. So look. Is this like it's really it's because it's a great question. Like, how do you make it succeed? Mm. I wish there was a one size fits all answer, and it simply isn't. I think there's there's fifty percent of technology projects fail, mm. uh, uh, and that's that's a lot of that is custom software development. You don't have um, great stats for rolling out new off the shelf um, implementations. Yeah. But I would say probably eighty percent of them don't get the full strength out of. The, mm. the platforms that they can get, regardless of whether it's our platform, somebody else's platform, even Definitely. zero. You guys would see it, right? Yeah. Not People don't use these tools to mm. the best of their ability because mm. it's not a driving force. Like mm. looking at the profit and loss report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But by the, by the same token, like one of my best clients, uh, love the bloke, won't, again, won't name him, but uh, he'll know who he is when he, he hears this. Um, he runs a couple of businesses out of uh, regional Queensland. Everything. Is on dashboards. He's got Power BI dashboards and tools plugged into absolutely everything. Yeah. And so every single thing in his office, it's this shed at the back of Toowoomba and Dolby, and it's just it's just screens, graphs, <laughs> and awesome. pie charts, and it's either green or it's red. 
uh, and he just walks past and taps it, points at his management team, go, go fix that, right? So he, he's gone completely the other way. Uh, and it's brilliant because, like, he's actually gone outside of the operational platforms to just, I want to see that metric better. Mm. Um, and, and you can see people that can literally run their businesses off, off fundamentally a pie chart that says that, that there's not enough green there. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, we, should, yeah, um, we should turn the room at my new place, Tim, into just like... yeah. Like a um, screens on every wall, a pilot room. Like we're just like screens everywhere. Yep. There's just <laughs> data. I'm picturing like can call Trina this one. You know you you know you're at the dentist. Yeah, and you're laying back, and there's a TV on the roof. Yeah, I'm like picturing that above your bed. Something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and dashboards. I like to just quickly open my eyes and be like <laughs> cash flow's gone down. Middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible way to sleep if you're a business owner, unless the cash flow just keeps going up. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, yeah. It could give me sweet dreams. Yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, all right. So we've spoken about why, which is good. We've spoken about how and what and how to get the team on board and what tools. What other tips and tricks can you think of, Tony? What other areas are we missing here around job mm-hmm. costing? Because it is important. I, I do think this is an area that a lot of people miss miss on um, mm-hmm. and they could really be improving uh, their business by just improving the profitability of each job um, and yeah. finding out why. Well, well, there's there's two whens that I'm going to give you. So when mm-hmm. is the other thing. So okay. you know, all the W's. Yeah, okay. um, what? When to, when to get the data in. And this is really important because mm. it's really important that you get it close to as real time as possible. Yes. If you make it as part of your day-to-day basis. And, and the big reason for that is that you can catch those overruns as they happen. You know, if you look at a job that you budgeted 50 hours and at the end of the day you're at 60 hours mm. and you've still got three weeks left to go on that project, you can go and have that you know, conversation with the client or the yeah. staff or whatever and fix that Definitely. if you get the real-time data. If you put that data in the week after you finish the project mm. and then you find out that you've lost $30,000 and you've invoiced the client, you've given them their equipment back yeah. or you've given them the keys to their house or whatever and you go, hey, um, I meant to invoice you an extra $30,000. Mm. One, good luck getting that. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so when... Uh, you should put the data in is is real time. That's huge. Uh, yeah. That's as, as close to real time as possible because it will not only save you money, it will make you more money for the variations that you haven't been charging for up to. Very true. I have a I have a story around this. Um, yeah. You, you and I have a mutual friend who I won't name. Yeah. Um, and There's a lot person, of not naming going. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> this is it person, Damo? No, no. This person <laughs> went on a holiday with another friend that we've got a number of years ago and uh, it was a ski trip. And uh, they got back from said ski trip and the organizer turned around and said, actually, it's like three months, literally it was like three months after they got back. Hey, I, I misquoted you a few oh things. You actually God. owe a little bit more for this trip. Wow. And they did not pay it. Well, why would you? Yeah. That's ridiculous. So this guy missed out on everybody on that trip paying Gee. an extra amount because he didn't do it right to begin with. Gee whiz. And it took him three months to realize it. Oh, so that information. But, but, but imagine if that was two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand yeah. dollars in a small business. That's enormous, and it happens so regularly. Wow, exactly. Yeah. So mm. in real time is your advice. I like that. Yeah. That's a great tip. And, and I have one other win. Yep. And it's when not. Okay. One, one July. <laughs> you, are, you are not going live on one July. Uh, everyone wants to do it because it's a really clean way to change yeah. over. You know, with with last year's accounts, this year. Just start year. it. Just do it. Yeah, one, just one, do it whenever. And yeah. two, 
one July, it's the worst time. Your sales team will have just been trying to smash themselves mm. to get their, their sales targets for the, the year, the quarter, the month, mm-hmm. whatever you yep. want them on. Your operational team will have just been absolutely hammering to get everything out the door that they possibly can so yep. they can claim it so they can get, it, you know, get your financial sorted. Mm. There's no way your accountant's giving you your you know, finalised books for the year as of 30 June. So we've got our stock on hand and everything That's ready it, to go yeah. live for 1 July. And yeah. so our team's absolutely exhausted. Mm. Uh, so you go, hey, guess what? Come in on Monday, we're starting a new system. Or worse, Wednesday, whatever it, day mm. it is this year. And you've killed yourself until midnight on Tuesday. Yeah. It's just not and the third reason, yeah, and the third reason not to do that is because everyone else is going to try as well. Yeah. Uh, we start getting calls from about two, three months from now going, I want to go live one July. Uh, and you have to have this conversation. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's true it's to every software vendor. <laughs> I know. It's, it sounds really clean. <laughs> so, and, but that's the thing. With, with something like this, like job costing, um, the sooner you do it, the sooner you're going to see improvements in your business. So yeah. why wouldn't you just do it right now? Yeah. Like yeah. why wait six months from now of potentially unprofitable jobs occurring yeah. Um, when you could make those improvements now. Yeah. So just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just do it, Naki. Yeah, just just do it. That's our slogan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we just created that. Yeah, just out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. that is great stuff. I feel convinced. I feel like we should be job costing. Me too. Um, I mean, we sort of do. We didn't even mention the 80-20 rule, whatever it is, where uh, we'll probably... 80% of your jobs are not profitable, but 20% of your jobs are paying for the 80% that aren't. Did you just make that up? Uh, no, no, that's a real thing, the 80-20 rule. Have you heard of it's that the, it's, the, it's the Pareto principle. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's 80, yeah, it's 80, 20% of your jobs take 80% of your time. Yes. Yeah. 80% of your profit comes from 20% of your jobs. Yeah, I've heard that. It's, it's, it's always... It's nearly always true, and we see it regularly. And whether it's eighty percent of your profit comes from twenty percent of your customers or twenty percent of yes. your jobs, yeah, uh, yeah. So with, with good data, you can figure out which twenty percent you want to be doing, which eighty percent right. you don't mm. want to be doing. Because mm. to any small business owner out there, if you could cut eighty percent of your jobs and still make eighty percent of your profit, how much more time would you have for golf with service <laughs> station clubs? <laughs> It'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, that's one thing. I'd never hear a business owner complain. Gee, I'm quiet. <laughs> just, wish I was a little, yeah, just wish I was a little busier. Unless there's problems in the business. So. Yeah, I mean, like, there's that, real problems at that point. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's a different issue. But mm. often you're hearing, I am flat out busy mm. and my cash balance is going down. Yeah. Yeah, I've got not enough time, but I'm not making any money. Job costing. Mm-hmm. Working, working hard to go backwards. Yeah. Wants to do it. Yep. But so many people do it. I mean, I've done it before too. We've all done it. We've all yeah. hit those ceilings of complexity, mm-hmm. as we like to yeah, call them. And, and really what you're trying to do there is do the right thing by your customer. Mm. But you're probably doing the wrong thing by a lot of people yep. by doing that, including yourself. Exactly. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up our main topic for today then. That's a good one. Great. Yeah. Uh, do you have another thing, Tim? Yeah, so my other thing, bit of... Uh, not be golf. Oh, your golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll save that for a future. Uh, now, my other thing is I'm reading True Gert. Oh, I've got that book. Mm. It's free if you are yeah. a member on Prime. Any good? Um, yeah, it's really good. That's mm. why I knew the, uh, the rum history. Ah, right. It's actually really cool. And I'm learning things like... <laughs> about where the history of blowing smoke up your ass came from, which is a, 
Yeah, a bit of an Australian saying. Okay. Right? Where does it That's from? how they used to resusc- try and resuscitate drowned sailors. <laughs> 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 and eating humble pie used to be a really nice thing to do. It was, a, it was something that um, wealthier people did mm. because uh, they didn't want commoners to be able to hunt. So wealthy people owned large parcels of land, so they hunted. Uh, humbles are the innards of a deer. So eating humble pie was like a really, really good thing. It was a real thing. Mm. So that one makes sense to me because like you're, you're mm. eating a humble pie, you're showing that you're not above everyone else. You're just taking a, right? But, no, well, I think but, it became eating humble pie now. Yeah, but, but why, why does blowing smoke up your ass mean <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to like show how good, like I'm trying to, I suppose like I'm trying to like, yeah, I'm, I'm big note uh, you or make make yeah, you feel exactly. yeah. yeah okay I get it yeah you can't you can't I don't know I don't know it made sense to me Dan when I read the book <laughs> don't bring me down I just want to know who's the first person that tried that yeah, um, <laughs> yeah like, this we, we've got a drowned sailor let's light a smoky fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think what they used to do because they all smoked tobacco and so yeah it was someone's mouth blowing the smoke but not through a tube through a tube do you reckon it would just be like a little bit of a shock factor so like your the sensation of a bit of smoke hitting your ass probably, is like oof, probably more the tube right, going, oh, going up it's kind of like getting more. paddles in the chest like you've just like <laughs> what was that about yeah there's a lot of little tidbits like that which mm. i've just found hilarious and um the fact I didn't know this. Sir Joseph Banks, pretty famous dude, right? Mm. But James Cook is way more famous, wouldn't you say? Mm. Captain James Cook. Yes. Um, including the town seven, 1770. 1770. Um, so, Sir Joseph Banks, he was actually just like a really rich, like daddy's boy. <laughs> <laughs> he got an allowance of 6,000 pounds a month, which is a lot of money back then. It is a lot of money. James Cook was getting paid 120 pounds a month to sail, to captain the Endeavour. Wow. So, um, yeah, so Sir so Joseph Banks basically paid for the expedition just so that he could be cool with his like science bros. Mm. And it, it worked. In fairness. He came back with a lot of... When you're hanging out with science bros, <laughs> you got to be cool. Yeah, and yeah, he was a pretty... And, pretty and you got to have research funding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was a pretty interesting fella. Yeah. yeah he had a collection of uh, human heads as well. Oh, that's fun. Mm. Mm. You do too, don't you? <laughs> In the garage? <laughs> yeah. You've showed me once. No, I haven't. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Tony, do you, do you have another thing this week? Any recommendations? Uh, not really, but I'm very interested to go and read uh, Trigger. I'm actually reading, uh, my wife's an archaeologist, so I'm actually reading oh, a, a book. That? On, yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm reading a book that she's just finished on the history of the Neanderthals. No. Nice. Uh, and the discovery of the Neanderthal, the first Neanderthal bones that were actually identified as a separate genus. The fact that that was actually quite a um, controversial discovery that uh, wow. they were considered as part of the, the Homo human genus. Is, well, uh, is that book published yet? Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not my, not my wife's book. It's one that she just finished oh, right. reading, not one that she just I finished writing. Right. <laughs> no. I was like, no, give no, it a plug. No, that no, sounds no. great. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's sadly not one that, that she's written, but yeah. uh, no, fantastic book, and uh, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But um, yeah, that's good. my that's my light bedtime reading. It. Mm. <laughs> I'm. Um I'm reading a book too. I might as well go the same theme or reading or reading book books. Uh, yeah. I'm reading uh, Death on the Nile, Agatha Christie. Hey, currently, who done it? Who done it? Nice. Just thought I'd give it a crack. There's it a, was free. There's an Agatha Christie documentary coming out or came out recently. Mm. 
Well, I like they're all like the classics, like the Agatha Christie yeah. murder mysteries. But I, I actually don't know because I've I'd never watched the movies. I've never watched mm. the the shows. So you don't know who the murderer is. So I don't know who the murderers oh. are. So I was <laughs> like, I know the I know the concepts, yeah. but I've, I don't actually know the ending. So yeah. I'm going to read it before someone spoils it. Nice. Colonel Mustard in the living room. With yeah, the exactly. Right. <laughs> Colonel Mustard, yeah. yeah. With the candlestick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's actually kind of, um, it's, it's not uh, news to anyone, but they're, they're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh. That's so funny. Yes, that is good. Well, thanks for, yeah, I'm sure no one's heard of this young up and coming author. No, I'm, I'm breaking, Agatha Christie. breaking ground on Agatha Christie. <laughs> I'm ahead of it. Apparently she writes pretty good books. Yeah, she no, she, she's got a lot of them too. Weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, Tony, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to know more about WorkGuru, how do they get in touch? Yeah, sure. Just uh, check us out on the website, which is at workguru.io, W-O-R-K-G-U-R-U.io, or flick me an email at tony at workguru.io. Nice. Nice. You know she went with the .io option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bolt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's input-output. Input-output. Uh, from, from, from a tech point of view, it technically means the area of the Indian Ocean. But, um, really? There's, there's not a lot of landmass out there, so there's not a lot of competition for it. <laughs> That's so funny because they were at one point they were bringing out um, different. What do, what do you call the .io part of the web address suffix? I don't know. That's suffix. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't but know what but, you call but, it? But they were bringing out ones that were specific to your industry. Type. We could have like cats um, at accountants dot accountant. Yeah, like cats yeah. dot accountant. Cats dot accountant. Dan or at cats dot accountant. Yeah, it really took off. But yeah, I like that input output. A bit of thought went into that. Very cool. Sure. It's not that it was just available. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, two drunk podcast at gmail.com, two drunk accountants on all the social medias, uh, two au is our website where our online courses are happening. Yeah. yeah they are sure. happening. Yeah. We filmed them. Yeah. Well, they exist. Yep. They do. They, they're there. They're coming. I'm not lying. They're coming. It's not like the scarf. It's happening. <laughs> You've knitted. You've started knitting the scarf, haven't you? Two thirds done. Just Actually, that might it. be my project tonight. Maybe Do I should knit the rest <laughs> of the scarf. <laughs> Gotta go to the gym. Terrible. <laughs> Hit the gym. Go home and knit a scarf. Years ago, Tony, a listener won a scarf. Years ago. No, this the story is for those of you who how, don't know. How many years ago? Two. <laughs> Tim, he was knitting this scarf for her newborn at the time. I, <laughs> I, I, you can give it to him at his 21st. Yeah, 100%. Uh, knitting is not something that I, I do, but I know how to crochet. Crochet. Right? Yes. I know how to crochet. It's not yeah. something I sit there actively Different doing family. all the time, yeah. but I can do it. And I once made a scarf that I wear occasionally, and it's it's a joke that it's my, it's my lucky scarf because yeah. it, it attracts attention. It does, yeah. It attracts attention. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... He looks really good in it. Let's yes. Put it that way. So with, with Tim, with that knowledge, Tim threw me under the bus and said, whoever wins this competition, Dan will make you a scarf. Mm. And then someone won it and I started knitting it and then forgot about it and then came back to it and then forgot about it again. And then it's two thirds done sitting in a, in a little drawer at my new house that I, <laughs> that I will finish and, uh, and send. Yeah. Maybe just make it like a smaller thing than a scarf. I don't know. I'm finishing <laughs> it. All right. If I say I'm going to do something, we do what we say we're going to do in this podcast, Tim. Might take us a long time, but we do it. Uh, All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. 
and calculator. Bye.